This is the What's Fashion Technology podcast, and this is the podcast where we talk about any innovation that's revolutionising the fashion industry with technology. In this episode, we explore the future of footwear design with the footwear and fashion designer Miguel Peña. This conversation explores Miguel's independent design work and the new technological innovations he uses to elevate his creations. Miguel also shares advice on what it takes to develop a career in footwear design today and what technologies will impact the way we design footwear in the future. I think this is a really insightful episode, so I really hope you enjoy. Um, my name is Miguel Pena. I am a conceptual footwear and fashion designer I'm from the Dominican Republic, but currently based out of Portland. Amazing. I'm really excited to speak to you. I know we've been planning to do this for a while, so it's nice that we're finally doing it. And yeah, it's always cool to connect with people from all over the world. It's, like, it's very interesting. So excited to speak. So I want to know what your story with footwear is. So when you were younger, did you always have a creative background when you were sleek ahead? Like how did it all begin? Yeah. So I actually started more so on the illustration side and character design. Uh, I went to school uh, for illustration my first year and a half at Montclair State University in New Jersey. So yeah, that's where my most of my creative background is, is in drawing characters and things of that nature. Later down the line of, you know, maybe my, my second year, I started finding that that wasn't how I wanted my creative career to go. Um, I liked it as a hobby and, and kind of how I expressed myself, but not as where I wanted my career to be. So I started shopping around a little bit and um, I found industrial design, which I had never heard of. So I went and checked out the studio and um, it was love at first sight. I saw the sketches, all the models. I'm like, oh man, this is cool. These guys are drawing something. They're still creating. And they're building real things that we use every day. I just never thought that there was someone behind that. So that's how I found industrial design. Footwear didn't make its way into my life until my third year of industrial design in university. A group of us from school went to visit my buddy in Boston. He was doing an internship at Reebok. I saw all the work that he was doing and it was, I, I just, it hit me. You know, it was like a, the perfect blend of character design, the things I liked about designing in illustration terms, and also problem solving and, and industrial design and creating something real. That was, uh, yes, that's how I, I discovered footwear. And then I took my shot. I made a, a crappy portfolio, uh, or what I now I think of as crappy, and uh, it's an Under Armour internship. And uh, I was blessed to get that opportunity. And, you know, the rest is history. It's funny because all the footwear designers I speak to on this podcast, they they always started with industrial design, it seems, but I don't think I actually truly know what industrial design is. <laughs> so can you explain what, what it is? Yeah. So industrial design is kind of the design of everyday objects. Um, it's a lot of problem solving and storytelling and what humans interact with. So it's almost like the architecture equivalent for product, uh, but it could look like product. It could look like experiences. It's just how we interact with things. That's what industrial design takes into consideration. And then you come out of it with something. Yeah. And how hard was it to translate those skills into footwear design? What was the first thing that you really had to master in order to feel like you were a footwear designer? And what was the biggest challenge in learning to be a footwear designer as well? I feel like my strength in industrial design was always sketching because I you know, grew up drawing and everything. And I kept to completely relearn all that in footwear. Uh, that it was a completely different set of proportions, how you're thinking about the human body is different. So from a baseline, I had to learn how to draw shoes from scratch, borderline in my senior year of college. On top of that, it's a different skill set because it is still problem solving, but through the lens of 
performance that I now have to think about because I went into Under Armour and, and Nike and things like that. So I had to learn about how to design for performance products specifically, as opposed to, you know, everyday electronics or watches or fashion. Like it was more very fine tuned set of skills that I had to learn. I actually came across your work on Instagram. We were talking about this and you also were a concept designer as well. So you have grown your Instagram and create um, innovative concepts. A lot of the things that you post that's your own work, like your own personal work, is certainly unique. So I wanted to know where this inspiration comes from and what it is that you enjoy about coming up with these more innovative concepts as well. Innovation in general is the place where designers can really find themselves as creatives, in my opinion. Stripping back all limitations of briefs and you know whatever and markets and, and price points and all that and just coming up with something new and provocative from the soul and from how you can think of problem solving and what's right for the consumer, whether it's through trend or through problem solving or whatever it is. Uh, so that's what excites me about innovation. You know, inspiration can also just come from anywhere. I think it could come from product, it could come from footwear, but where I find things exciting is where they come from completely different lanes and how you interpret that is, you know, what kind of creates something new. So it could be like, how is something made? Like if I see something at Home Depot, oh shoot, that could make for a cool upper or a cool bottom or this Ikea bookshelf, how they're joined together could make for a glueless solution for how an upper and bottom come together or whatever it may be. I think that's where new exciting ideas can come from. A lot of the footwear designers I speak to and just lock from what I see, uh, they kind of get discovered on Instagram or like get a lot of work from it. And it seems like the community of footwear conceptual design is there. Like, would you agree? And yeah, how do you find all of this? Now, Instagram is definitely um, probably the most authentic platform uh, for footwear designers to share their work because it's there's others like the hands and things like that. But that's more like a professional, at, like, you know, like where you post your portfolio to maybe get a job or clients. Instagram, I feel, is more of like a personal sharing where you can really engage with an audience. You can get inspiration from others. You can be part of a community through a group chat or whatever and send things to each other. I think it's a very authentic place to share work and everyone's on it. So it's a lot easier to get discovered on there. So obviously you you have your Instagram and it's got uh, it's got quite a big following. So when you first started posting your work, was this your intention? And how long did it take you to kind of build this up or did it just naturally happen? I had maybe 800 followers when I started posting on Instagram. I had just done it because I had quit my job uh, at Under Armour. I went independent for a while and I needed to get clients. So I'm using this as a platform to share work and potentially grow some clientele. And I had a couple of posts that you know did extraordinarily well. I had a lot of engagement and the algorithm just was in my favor at that time. And some of them were, you know, went a little viral. Um, Got a bigger following. A, a lot of opportunities came my way through Instagram too because of it. So it's definitely it's definitely paid off, and it's something that I'd like to keep going. You know, it's also fun engaging with you know some of these folks. What was the biggest struggle when you went from having a full time job being um, a footwear designer for a brand to then being an independent footwear designer? Where I used to be part of a team with a lot of resources and learning from a lot of folks and a lot of people to bounce ideas off of and everything. Now I'm solo. You know, I. I didn't have my own team or anything yet, uh, so I just it was just me and my laptop and my iPad. You know, I don't have the resources to make samples or make anything crazy, so I just have to rely on my own skill to really convey design and 3D, really good lighting and things like that to just put out something that looks kind of real but isn't because I couldn't make anything. I would say resources and, and having a team to bounce ideas off of is probably the biggest change and difficulty. When you're doing your conceptual designs, are you thinking, are they just kind of a free 
self-expression of your ideas or are you thinking of them if they could actually be made into a physical product like do you think of that functionality aspect over the course of you know my career i've built a foundational understanding of like what can be done and what would, would be a little harder to do right and when I think of these concepts, I don't think of them through the lens of like, well, the mold has to be able to do this and that. I think about it as like, this could potentially be made, but I would have to put a little bit of work into making that happen. Yeah, you can you can make a lot more than you think. I think we just have to push whatever partner you, we're working with, right? But some things are a little more like way out there. I have some monster shoes on there that you can, you can not, or you can make them, but you probably wouldn't want to wear. Yeah, this is the thing. When I This is why, well, when I came across your work on Instagram, I was like, some of your designs are quite out there and like the way you create them as well. I also noticed that you did some um, like digitally generated uh, concepts using a special technology. So I wanted to know a bit more about that. Um, yep, it's Dolly 2 by yeah. OpenAI. Okay, yeah. and what, what is this? So Dolly 2 is one of now many artificial intelligence-based platforms. That, uh, this one's more of a word to image or image to image. This is to generate imagery. Yeah. And I discovered this back in July, yeah, last year now. And at first it was a little, it was a little clunky. It's, it's changed quite a bit in just a very short period of time, but you input some words at a prompt. It could be short, it could be long. And what that prompt is will determine what your image is. And from that image, you can generate variations, and yeah, it's it's that's the kind of platform it is. Wow, it's really interesting. I find the whole topic of AI for design like really, really interesting because obviously there's so many benefits that AI technology brings and is bringing. And I think when it comes to design, I think it's really cool to speak to get the chance to speak to you, obviously as a footwear designer who uses this kind of technology. Because is the only thing that you did was input the words and then your design comes out and then did you edit the design after or was it kind of just, yeah, when you got it from the technology, was that was that it? Again, my process has changed since July. Uh, when I oh. adopted it in the early days, it was uh, more of an experiment. You know, I didn't know anything about AI. It was, it was just, oh, this is a cool thing. So I would put in prompts and get back things that didn't really look good, but I saw people doing things that were awesome. And so I would try to adjust my prompts. So at, in the beginning, it was yeah purely words to image and I would just use that image and post it. So if you look at my IG, some of that early AI work all looks very different. And to be honest, it felt like the eye like really wasn't there. It was more so the machine. And since then my process has changed a little bit where now me and the machine kind of work in harmony. Um, and I use mid-journey more now than I do Dolly, but sometimes I'll still use Dolly where I give it, I'll sketch something or a 3D model that I've done and I'll give this image to the AI for it to generate variations then get something back and then I'll blend two of those ideas and then I'll give it back. And, you know, so it's more of like a back and forth between me and the AI. And, but that, yeah, it's very different from where it was at first where it was just words to image. Yeah. And when you were using it at the start, when you were getting the words to image, how did you feel about it? Do you feel like it was aiding your creative process or what was your impression of it? Do you think it's a positive um, tool for designers? That's a loaded question because <laughs> definitely makes you a writer. I'll tell you that. Because uh, you, it, I think it's a good exercise for really conveying verbally what my idea was. But yeah, again, I think it has its ups and downs, right? It's uh, definitely an aid, I would say. Now, the way I'm using it now, I'm starting to feel it as as, a, as another tool that I can use in my repertoire of okay, I can use this to to put out an idea. Mm. Um, I can also see it being a major crutch 
but it's mostly aesthetic, right? Because it's all just imagery. I think problem solving and, and style and all that still exists within a person for now. Yeah, I think it could be a, it could be an aid. It could be a crutch. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it, like I said, such an interesting topic, and I think it really is how the designer uses it. And if you're if you're an artistic person with a passion for footwear design, it's like you want to be designing footwear, and then that's and then yeah, you use it as a tool, and it's definitely a good tool. And I think yeah, it can still bring about a lot of um, like you said. Now you use it like in collaboration with with your sketches things like this you're inputting those so it's it's a lot more of a collaborative thing which which makes a lot of sense but do you have an opinion on what the biggest value that this could bring to the industry there's a few there's definitely many actually so speed is is one of them you know instead of where it used to be me sitting down and sketching maybe a hundred ideas now i sketch a couple you know, very different ideas, like call it 10 and then have the computer generate a lot more iterations because the foundational idea is still there for me. You know, now that saves a ton of time. Um, and that's time that I could use to develop other skills or, you know, what have you. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is it gives a voice to those who maybe not have a sketching ability or can 3d model or whatever. I th- everybody has ideas. Now you just have a tool that can convey that a little more realistically than, you know, what could be like a really bad drawing that, may have held someone that's really creative back before. Because part of being a designer is getting a taste, right? So I think they could use that technology to generate images and being like, I like this, I don't like this. And then they become a curator of, of what looks good to them or what doesn't. Foundationally, yes, I think they still have to learn how to draw yeah. um, and, and realistic proportion and everything. So they can take those ideas now and edit them, finish them, et cetera, uh, convey it to a factory if they have to. So I think both skills are still necessary, but I think AI will help in design education, frankly. I think it's definitely here to stay. So you may as well use it in the best way and most positive way. And like you said, give give footwear design more accessibility to people and allow them to realize their ideas. I think that's a really positive way to look at it for sure. But what's kind of the percentage of the concepts you do? Do you, do you always use the AI technology or do you kind of mix it together? Yeah, I have some on there. I tried to purposely do both, you know, because I don't want to be seen as someone who needs AI to design. Yeah. So I do a little bit of both. Some of them are sketch to gravity sketch and VR uh, to 3D editing and then rendering. And some are purely AI straight into the image, straight into Instagram. But mm-hmm. now there's starting to be versions of the two where I'll do AI and use that to sketch something else. And then I'll throw that into 3D and like everything's starting to kind of come together into like a solidified process that will change in a year i don't know you mentioned the gravity sketch and designing in ar when i first saw this i thought it was so cool but i also thought i thought i just ignorantly thought oh, it's just kind of a bit of a fad just to look cool but the more and more i learned about it the more i realized this is actually how people genuinely prefer to design footwear concepts so how often do you use that and how does that actually work like what brought me into it was um, I've never been a 3D modeler. I've tried my hand at many different 3D programs, and they're all kind of like rocket science. You know, there's the, there's huge learning curves, and it's just almost too much time to take to learn something new. But what Gravity Sketch does it, is it gamifies 3D a little bit, where it's simple down to like a couple of functions and features. The more you learn, the more you can do, but there's a couple things that you really need to get going. I already know in my head what I want, which like if I were to try that in a different 3D program, it may take me 
10 hours, 12 hours just to learn how to do that thing. But in Gravity Sketch, I can get something within a couple hours that somewhat resembles my thing. With a little bit of more practice, like I'll get there, right? So Gravity Sketch just makes 3D a little more accessible uh, for people like me who just were more sketch heavy. Like you don't have to go through an outside resource to get a, a good 3D model. I feel like when I saw it, you almost feel that it looks really complicated and hard to use, but it's it's interesting to know that it's actually more, yeah, easier to use. Do you, say if someone's a footwear designer, and like you said, they hadn't learned the traditional 3D softwares and they're very much intimidated by it. Do you think it's an accessible thing to buy a headset and use Gravity Sketch, or do you think it's still kind of reserved for people who are already established and can afford to do this or in a company? Do you think it's accessible or not? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, there's three versions of the headset. There's a $300 version for 128 gigs, I think. Um, and that's, I think, the lowest you can go with the Oculus. There's other headsets that may be a little more accessible that still can run Gravity Sketch. But yeah. the baseline Oculus Quest 2 is about 300 to 400 for more memory. If you think about the Adobe suite, that's roughly 400 something for the year. If you compare, and the Adobe suite is something that you need. You need your Photoshops, you need your Illustrators, and both of those are comparable. So if you, if you get one, you can either you know, get the other or get both or whatever it is. So I would, I would compare those as far as how accessible they are. And, yeah. But most 3D programs can run you up to like $2,000 or something like that. I mean, Blender is doing something that they're doing it for free. So that's a good one. But yeah, I'd say Gravity Sketch is somewhat accessible. No, that's that's really interesting and good to know. And I like, yeah, it's it's a very true comparison with the Adobe Suite. So that's interesting. So obviously you're into these innovative concepts. So I also wanted to ask your opinion more generally on things like digital fashion or like, do you believe that footwear in the future that brands will offer like a digital twin or like what's what's all your what's your opinion on all of this as well yeah i think it's already happening i think brands are starting to pick up on all that they have been since the nfts took off it's like oh yeah there is value for for a digital copy um or something digital that can turn into something physical later on i think it's also a good platform for taking something a little more like a little farther in design right we can do something a little more crazy and see and feel the waters digitally of who's interested. And it's like, okay, maybe it's worth taking the effort to to make this thing. Yeah. Would you ever want to design something that was only ever going to be digital? Or do you prefer to design something that will always be physical? Again, I'm like, I'm coming from illustration and character design. So the, the crazier I can make it, the better. I mean, can make someone have like tentacles floating off their body in a digital, you know, version. I'd love that. Crazy innovative stuff, things like that, that are more animated and bombastic i'd love to keep like in the digital world so i can get really out there but things that i'll have to make eventually yeah maybe they feel a little different to me obviously that kind of shows you as a creative person having that digital capability to just let your imagination run wild and just kind of create those in a digital space is really great but then obviously having the other technologies for when you want to create something functionally that works in the physical world so it's nice to see how you don't have to really be one or the other side it's like you are a combination of the two which I think is is a good way for people to look at it as well so obviously 3d sampling that's actually the reason that I got into the whole digital fashion all these kind of concepts I was initially really passionate about digital fashion because I thought that it could like reduce the sampling process so I wanted to know your perspective obviously as a footwear designer 
Do you believe that you can truly use a digital sample instead of a physical sample to reduce the amount of physical samples? Obviously, you'll always have to see like a physical prototype. But if you can take them down from like five iterations to two iterations or something, this obviously has a really good sustainable benefit. Do you think that you can get that what you need to get from a digital sample? Yeah, I think it depends on which context we're talking about, because if I'm thinking about it through the lens of performance product, I think that'll be a little more lenient on real product for people to test on and everything. But as far as fit and everything like that is concerned, all that can be digitally simulated. If you, especially with scanning technology where it's at now and how easy that is to do. If you get a person's body scanned, you can test fit all day long digitally. They're probably reduced from a lot of sample rounds. So like, man, we really can't get this fit right. So doing it digitally and then trying maybe a couple. I think they're definitely here to stay. And I think they're definitely going to keep evolving and growing. I mean, just AI, the conversation of AI from six months ago to today has changed so drastically. Um, where it was only Ali that I knew about, I mean, probably things were there I didn't know about, but now it's like mid-journey and stable diffusion and ways to animate those things. And it's, it's all moving so quick. Yeah. yeah. How do you kind of remain creative and connected to your own creative flow with these new technologies? Do you think it's easier to, or you have your kind of concepts and you have your, when you're designing a physical product, how do you maintain that authentic creativity in the midst of all this new innovation? I kind of have my core values within how I design and everything I do. And that kind of seeps through into everything. Like I said, when I was first trying out Dolly, a lot of those concepts some of them had still like my style and my, we'll call it my soul in them, right? But a lot of them didn't, um, which is kind of why I kind of fell out of love with that like word to image part of it because maybe my writing wasn't good enough or I was using too many of the same words, but I didn't get Miguel Pena reflected in those works. So a lot of them took, you know, to take out of there to like sketch on to then bring back into AI. And that's where now that kind of back and forth process has been born from to kind of remain authentic to the way I design. What do you think is the most exciting new innovation that you've seen that's really going to change the industry and the way that people design? It's moving into a direction that is a lot more self-making. Now everybody's able to create imagery and, you know, things like Zellerfeld are, are up and coming where now independents can now create and generate their own footwear and start their own footwear lines a little more easy without having open molds and having that big leap in cost. Yeah, I think this future is going to be a lot more self-creation. Like if I, I can see myself in 10 years, if someone's not even a designer, you have this high school kid with a cool idea, types it into their AI because they can't draw or whatever. They type it in. Now they have an image. Make By then they can get a 3D model out of it. And then they send it straight to a Zellerfeld or something. And now they have a product within a few weeks from something that they made on their phone, you know? Obviously, that's so incredible. And, and I completely agree. I feel that will be the way it will be. But how do you think that among that, that the big brands will be able to actually keep selling. Yeah, what would be the incentive to then buy something from a traditional brand? That's, I think, that's where the the evolution is going to have to come. In my opinion, it is the place for the relationship between brands and consumers is definitely going to change with all this self creation. So, what does a brand offer? Maybe it's a technology. Maybe it's a kind of foam. Maybe it's a sensation that they're offering specifically. I mean, and then they have decades of expertise, you know, with all these brands still. So how to make a, you can, me as a, you know, 15 year old high school kid can make a shoe, but will it feel good? Will it run well or whatever? Like I can still create, but there's a lot of knowledge that all these brands have, um, craftsmanship and technology and all that, that there's still a lot to offer there, but aesthetically is maybe that's a little more user generated. 
And I suppose that is also where, yeah, the storytelling a brand can offer and that emotional connection it creates with its consumers. And that's obviously what will keep people coming back and actually having the incentive to buy the products. I think it's only a positive to give that creativity back to the consumers and all these technologies and all these things. If they're then owned by brands, then it kind of takes away the point of them. So I think it it will be very interesting to see how it evolves. This could be like in five years, it could be in 10 years, it could be in 20 years. Do you think it will just keep rapidly changing? Yeah, I think it's this is going to keep snowballing and get faster and faster and faster. I think mm-hmm. this, like what was 3D, like I, I think about like the, what Gravity Sketch did to the, the industry, right? Now mm-hmm. it's just snowballing. They said it's borderline like you need to have this in your resume yeah, to, to get a job, you know? And I think it'll be the same with AI, perhaps, like in how you utilize AI, how you utilize AI in tandem with this. Just how much it's changed in the last six months, just the AI conversation alone. Right. NFT came and went. Like that, that was a very fast conversation within like a year, you know? Say if someone really wants to get into footwear design, but at this point has no experience and yeah, doesn't really know where to begin, what would you suggest? Like I said, like a year ago, that w- the answer would have been very different. But now I would say, you know, very cliche, but keep an open mind, right? The industry is always changing. And what you thought may have gotten you a job a year ago today may be a little bit different. Learn about what the industry is. Try to get in touch with what the community is, whether it's through Instagram or whatever it is, and see what people are doing. Are people doing Gravity Sketch? Are people doing AI? Try to pick up those skills, get familiar with them, connect with the community, ask for help. That's a big one. Asking for help is huge and such a hard thing to do. Like that's a skill that you have to work on. So keep an open mind, learn the skills you have to ask for help uh, and put your work out there. You know, even if you don't think it's like the best, like put it out there, keep consistent. At some point you might get lucky or it'll, the work will speak for itself. And it's like, Hey, here's, here's this guy. Let's, let's check it out. Exactly. I think that's, yeah, that's like kind of the perfect advice. And I, what I've seen in just in chatting to the handful of people I have with footwear design, I think you really don't have to go down the traditional route. And I think even more so now with all the changes that are coming about in the industry due to this new technology, I think adapting whatever you, in whatever way you can to that is, is the best thing. So where can people check out your work and learn more about you? Um, so my Instagram handle is at miguel.pena.kk. Um, and yeah, I'm working on my website right now, but all that will be linked through my Instagram. So if you just check out my Instagram. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.